Okay. We did it. We did it. We're doing it. <laughs> Today we uh, took a little journey <laughs> from little structuralism journey. to post-structuralism. About myth and meaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's one thing that that I wanted to kind of get your opinion about that we've yeah. that we've talked a bit about before. Yeah. Like in regards to how subjects are constructed um and discourse and all these institutions right yeah the, i've been thinking about you you know like you know hp lovecraft right i know a little bit but not that much unfortunately oh, okay well in hp lovecraft it's it's the genre is called like cosmic horror and it's these okay. these these entities that are that are somewhat like unknowable and and eldritch and very old and mysterious oh. like interacting with them in any kind of way drives you to madness fucking insanity right <laughs> interesting and that's what i've been thinking is the perfect metaphor for all these fucking institutions that we interact <laughs> with on a daily basis <laughs> i mean i feel like that's very Foucauldian, actually yeah right <laughs> the institutions are what set the knowledge like and the knowledge is how power works like in practice um so i yeah. feel like that's actually and the the key part of it for me is how power disguises itself right yes. it becomes inscrutable and you you can't it it masks itself and you can't see how it's working on you and, well, and the way that it fucking in every single Sorry. day like interacting with these institutions like the fucking democratic party for example or the university of california is they like drain your mental energy and your emotions well it's a way it's also a way to think like like this would be a very like an attachment to an institution in power and stuff. It's like, oh, my time at UC Santa Cruz was so crucial to who I am as a person, right? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is then making yourself, you know, subjectivating yourself to power through like that. Um, but so I mean, exactly. So I'm looking at my notes from my Hiscon class. And it says, like, you know, quote, unquote, the self is what imprisons us. Um, the soul, 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 the soul is the prison of the body. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really interesting just kind of looking back on this as, as well. Um, he says resistance is not a struggle for power. Um, because what, you know, if you talk in a Marxist framework, then you're going to say, oh, it's a site of struggle. But what Foucault would say is struggle is just another way. So he's problematizing struggle. It's, he's like, resistance does not replace struggle, but it problematizes it. So struggle is another form of capture. Mm. Um, and capture would be what's like makes you a subject to something, you know, like I am this thing attached to this subjectivity. Right. So I think you can see that with the DNC, like you're talking about, like now you see yeah. the first dropped These out, they say, well, so you're not Democrats anyway. Yeah. 
And so they're identifying so hardcore with being, you know, a, a big D Democrat. And that's why they can talk themselves into Joe Biden, because they're just attached to the notion of being a big D Democrat. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know if delusion is the right word, but I mean, that's what it seems like to me, right? I like, think it's or the more uh, your like kind of internal life is, is captured. Mm-hmm. These entities, like the more you rely on them to fucking function in the world, right? Like these people without the Democratic Party, it's like I was like I just said to you earlier, they would have mental breakdowns. They would be screaming and crying yes. in the street if they didn't have this this party, this institution telling them what to think and how to act all the time. Well, and because they're so attached to saying, you know, I am this type of person, you know, insert, you know, whether it's, you know, being attached to, I don't know, you know, whatever identity comes into play there. And and that's where actually I feel like Bataille is so like, so what my HISCON professor would say is like, to really understand Foucault, you have to understand Bataille. And, and so, because he talks a lot about like, um, self-disgust and like the lines between you know say uh like sex and disgust you know like um so like euphoria and disgust or whatever and so Uh so notes for example say liberation cannot be attached to itself liberation is impossible except in moments of self-disgust and i think that's really interesting because uh, I think that delusion also comes in. I mean, what's really interesting to me is if you watch these Biden supporters, they're actually doing a very similar thing that they say they can't understand uh, how Trump supporters do. Oh, yeah. It's... Because that is the delusion you're talking about because they've yeah. attached, they, they attach themselves to the identity of being, you know, I am a Democrat and then work backwards from there to rationalize right. why that's okay. And they cannot, it's impossible for them to critique themselves, to turn that exactly. disgust onto themselves right. in a way that would allow them to grow and kind of individuate i guess right so here's another phrase that's in my notes resistance destabilizes and comes at the expense of self-realization mm-hmm. yeah i feel like what intrigued me so much about this is that that is so ass backwards from what we usually <laughs> like talk about and it makes sense like i feel like whenever i've grown the most as a human being is when I've been completely destabilized in what I think I know. Right. And you realize like, oh, fuck, like, I'm so like, you know, and that that's when also I, th- I think my understanding is where like limit experiences come in because you're, you know, you go like to this place and you're, you know, detaching and destabilizing actually. Um, yeah. And I know that he was very into like some, you know, Eastern like meditations and these kind of things. Um, I've been thinking so- a lot about Obama lately. Oh, yeah. What, what, uh, yeah. Expand on that. Well, because like when I was a teenager, 
Um, I was in, I was in middle school or high school when Obama was running for president, The first time and or the second time? the first time Yeah, when he okay. was first running for president. And before that, I you know, growing up under Bush, like I would watch the Daily Show and shit, and uh, it would just. I just kind of absorbed like, oh, Bush and the Republicans, though those are bad people, Right. right? And the Democrats are the the good people, like standing up and Mm hmm fucking, you know, whatever. Um, that kind of that kind of like very shallow, like liberal identity, you know, like I, and oh, also I'm I'm kind a, of I'm a better angry, person because right? I'm a Democrat. But then, that's that's what I've been relating it to. It was kind of a limit experience when. Uh, like towards the end of Obama's presidency, I started finding out like, oh shit, he's actually a terrible, evil person. He's a fucking war criminal. He's doing all of this horrible shit, but he just looks good while doing it, right? And I feel that like Obama was is so an much experience. more complicated too because he's so much more complicated because I feel like in a way he's he's convinced himself that those things were like necessary. Well, yeah. That's where, where our, like, where... ideology comes in. Yeah. The, like, the delusion, like we were talking about. Like, I think Obama, and probably Biden, too, although he's, like, more senile now. <laughs> but when he was more, when he was more lucid, he was, he was just as much invested in, like, his identity as a good guy, right? Like, as right. a big D Democrat. Here's what's really interesting, and actually one of the reasons why... <laughs> Uh, when our professor said, like, oh, is Tevi, like, when she asked the sub, you know, what is subjectivity, and she kind of, like, <laughs> mentioned my name, um, but the truth is, is, like, in philosophy, it's like, well, which kind of subjectivity are we talking about here? <laughs> um, and, and, but, right. Um, shoot, now I lost my train of thought on why I was bringing that up. Oh, I know, because, okay, so if Descartes says, I think, therefore, I am, like Sartre came in and was like, well, I think therefore I can self delude. And, mm. and so he, even though he's like, okay, there's a certain sort of starting point in that. Um, I mean, when you think about it, like that was a lot of what he was trying to write about was when do I think that I'm resisting, but I'm just like, not. And so this was one of the, exactly. the key, like, problems for him throughout his life, you know, am I actually resisting? And when he wrote his works, when he was a prisoner in the camp or whatever, he, and then his works actually passed censorship with the Nazis. And it's like, well, is that actually like a slick evasion? Or does that mean that I'm actually not subverting anything? <laughs> so I feel like that that's one of the reasons why he interests me a lot, because he's trying to figure out like, when am I just fucking fooling myself into thinking I'm doing something? And I feel like that is really like relatable <laughs> and you see it yeah everywhere. That's how i feel every fucking day dude and that's the thing it's like when yeah. are we going to move on so the discourse oftentimes you know if we're going to speak in those terms is just pointing out again and again trump is this kind of person but it's like that is, that is trapping us yeah. yes we know he's that yeah kind anybody of who's fucking paying paying even the slightest amount of attention already right? knows and that i feel like we're and that's why the Democratic Party is so ineffectual, right. because we know, we know that the Republicans but are bad people. What? But you pointing that out does nothing for anyone. I think that that actually-
actually connects back really nicely to our queer uh, utopia class where that reading where the woman was saying like, we need to stop being, I'm on this shore and you're on that shore. Like that's what she's kind of trying to say here. And I think that's what Foucault is trying to say here is like, when you see yourself as this binary, you're, you've lost because now it's just you and them and that is your position and, and that's what you take on and that's what you know. I am, I am against right. those people and then that's where it stops. You don't stand for right. anything. You only stand against but the bad people. But also once you set yourself, exactly, like you just set yourself up in opposition and then what, you're just trapped. That's why he's saying the struggle is capture because now you're just captured in that, that bit. Absolutely. And that's what I find so interesting about that. Um, because it, when you think about it too, it's like, it's so hard to get out of that mode of thinking. Yeah, because we're fucking indoctrinated yeah. into it by going back to the media, every single piece of media <sighs> that we watch, you know, for our entire lives. I honestly, yeah. It's like, it had that core, that core of like oppositional capture. Mm -hmm. Like, Controlled opposition, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, think about also, you know, Donald Trump being a massive narcissist. He likes that. Like, that's his bread and butter yeah. is to be able to have those arguments. So if you look at, like, how to deal yeah, with... Yeah, he's a right? troll. And so if you look at how <laughs> to deal with narcissism and the catch-22 that can be narcissism, like, the real answer is to just, like, float above it. You know, like, and, right. and don't engage in all of these things. And if you do, you do it in a way where you, you get, you have to get really cheeky with these people. So they'll say like an insult right. to you and you go, yeah, you know, you have to, you have true. to, you have to do it in a way, you have to do it in a way that brings attention to the fact that it is a spectacle, that it is kind of pointless to be but doing also, this. Like, like do there any is, of us actually like, here's some low theory, <laughs> here's some low theory yeah. for you the that that the the classic meme don't feed yes. the trolls bro like but yeah like obviously don't do that because that's what they want but that's not if we're talking about it as a political metaphor that does that again does nothing that's for anybody true. you have to critique the conditions which allow people to be yeah. trolls and which you know kind of incentivize people to either provide bait or get That's baited true. you have to pay attention to the structures that exist around this yeah. you know really silly interaction of trolling and the other thing is is like it doesn't mean that you just let it happen it's like well i i, I don't have to engage trump directly to start trying to tear down you know, the systems that you're talking about. It's like, that. that's what I feel like, especially the media gets so wrong. But then again, the media, they have their own, you know, money, ulterior motives and everything. Right. They have their own incentives, their own uh, but interests. But to me too, like, just to shift a little bit back to like DNC and everything, like, you know, everyone's trying to do these postmortems of like, what did Bernie do wrong or whatever? And the truth is, is that to me, the number one issue is the corporate media. Like if you examine that, like there's no way he was yeah. getting, you know, a fair shake through the media. And I mean, when after like Nevada and everything, they absolutely fucking freaked the fuck out. So anybody who yeah. is, you know, paying attention to 
uh, those news channels or whatever is going to see that and they're going to go, oh my God, okay, well, I guess I need to go with this like safe choice. And so it's actually, it's like, when, when do you see the media? They have 24 fucking hours of airtime. When do they ever do just like a really thoughtful documentary about fast food workers or something? You know what I mean? Or like any of the subjects that Bernie talks about or just talk to him properly or whatever. It's like they, they are an example of a discourse that totally excludes him or shits on him. So it's like. Right. And here's the, here's the really sad thing. What's really, really sad is, the, is that I think the campaign, the Bernie campaign, they knew that. They knew that they were going to get fucked over by the big media and they, their strategy like didn't rely yeah. on the media. Their strategy relied on, you know, people yeah. talking to other people without, you know, without being yeah, mediated. Yeah, and basically. that was actually what was so interesting. And with it the pandemic fucking didn't work. Well, which is so well, sad. It's not even that it didn't work. Like, why didn't it work? That's the I real even, question. I'm not even sure that it didn't work. I think that when you look at these exit polls versus um, vote tallies. I mean, I know it's like going to a place that sounds very tinfoil hat, but I'm sorry, 15% difference is crazy. That, that oh, yeah, is crazy. That. And when you really look at the evidence, like, I don't know how to look at this primary and call it legitimate. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's so, fucking real, dude. Because when that's you real. think about it, too, it's like, what happened when the pandemic came? Actually, Bernie had this amazing infrastructure to be able to deal with it because of what you were just mentioning. Yeah. Biden was, you know, had fucking ass in hand, had no fucking clue what to do, probably had coronavirus. <laughs> so disappeared, <laughs> or whatever the hell happened. But like Bernie was perfectly yeah. set up for that moment. Like that's what I find so infuriating. If you look at it, it's like, obviously nobody's perfect, but it's like, what more? It's such an abusive. But again, that, that, that it that, that points like for me that points to how how much more weight that aesthetics and oh, optics yeah. have like in our in our political yeah. you know environment it's not the actual structure that you have that's you know set up can, to actually like right. aid people it's about how does it look on exactly. tv exactly and that's you know? where you have Cuomo. and if you're not on tv then you don't fucking right. matter but and that's it sucks. also uh, actually back to the the wrestling thing. I'm not sure if it was actually in our reading because, but I've uh, in my other class on semiotics we talked about how basically theorizing American politics as like WWF wrestling because think about it, it's all about the show. It's all pre-planned. Like everything she was talking about, like the very over the topness and yep. the aesthetics, yep. and everyone has their role and they're supposed to stay in them. Like when you think about it. Oh, and the sound right. bites, the right. sound and bites. You got to get those clips, those memeable fucking shareable viral clips, right. baby. <laughs> but yeah, think about it. So what do you think about, and Donald Trump, like the funny thing about that. He owns it. it. Exactly. He owns it that. He fucking dominates all of these other imbeciles. Like they're all clowns, but he's king clown. And that's, that's what I... That's what I think people should realize too is he is King Clown. You are not going to out clown him. That's why you can't you can't yeah. try and meet him on his turf. You have to destabilize the turf and come at it like sideways. 
Uh, and I exactly. think like, for me too, like, you know, talking about now that we have a choice between two rapists, I think something that's really important that I've realized like through some really big epiphanies of interacting with certain people. So for example, uh, when I was working one time up on the weed farms, this kid uh, starts talking about how he, so he grew up like Mormon or whatever, and like obviously more conservative parents and everything. And he starts talking about how he wants to make weed brownies and feed them to his dad without telling him. And it turned into a very interesting conversation that I realized like people give you clues about how they feel about consent outside of sex. And consent is so oh, much yeah, more than just talking about sex. So if you pay attention, the guy who will probably like rape you will probably like dose your drink with acid and not tell you. And I feel like I'm kind of got off on a tangent there, but we're talking about, oh, so when you deal with political leaders that are rapists, they don't recognize boundaries. They think they know better than you. So let me just force this on you because I know better. And then it goes back to the Democratic voters, right. like that's what they want. That's what we were talking about yesterday. Right. They want a daddy. They want they want a they want a big boss to to just and boss them around. When you get back to subjectivity, I see my identity as you know. I need this daddy to help. That's what I mean by like servility too. It's like you need, because like if you if so you have Hegel right, They've right. So captured. you have Hegel. And then you had Marx who critiqued Hegel and said, well, there's still a problem with slavery. Even if you free it of yourself of it in your mind, you're still, ex- you know, being exploited. And then Nietzsche came in and said, well, my thing is, well, you're, there's still the problem of domination. And people really mm. misread Nietzsche. Um, he's not saying that's good <laughs> or to do that. You know, he, he was actually very, very concerned about like nihilism. So people try and say he's a nihilist, my... but he was saying, I am very, very concerned about nihilism. That's my, just a, that's just a little aside. That's my favorite genre of like anti-intellectualism is fucking bro dudes who misread oh, Nietzsche. It it's so me. fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, he was saying that's bad, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but what's actually that's a really good time. Those are <laughs> those are the kind of guys that would that would read Lolita and say he did nothing wrong. <laughs> what a hero, <laughs> <laughs> king. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, you know, and I think that's also. It's like we. We're, we feel lost, so we want somebody to just, like, give us a solution. Right. And it's interesting because Nietzsche said, like, you know, the, was concerned with the death of God, and apparently with Foucault, it's the death of man, which is sort of interesting. Mm. Um, but fuck, man. <sighs> the daddy thing, too, is, like, so Freudian, like... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like we, oh, I, like we all had a deadbeat dad as a country, and we're just all trying to just like figure that the fuck out. Um, well, that's an, that's an interesting connection that I'm making in my mind right now. Like uh, the concept of man, like capital yeah. M, man. 
like the the humanist scientific yeah. man as like a daddy <laughs> figure in the public consciousness yes. like these like these atheist boys who are like worship science and all that stuff and fucking uh like whatever whatever the alt right bros are calling themselves Objective, now about like uh, no. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ayn Rand type <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> but you know, that's that's it's funny because that's that's all Foucault was trying to say is like because even science, you know, we thought you know one thing at one point, and then we realized when we did some more science over it that actually that was wrong. Now that we have some new information, so it's not like he's saying. But when you when you when you Actually, they're such perfect examples of what he's trying to say, like like how objectivity is a way to dominate people. Because if you just say, this is rational, this is objective, et cetera, et cetera, then what you're basically saying is you have to bow to it. Right. They're saying, they're, well, they're implicitly saying that this is my point of view and right. it's right. But what they're explicitly saying is that there is only one right. point of view and you should right. have it. And if you don't have it, then you're wrong. And I'm always right because I'm right and I'm smart and I'm the best. But notice how those things uh, all build up your subjectivity. But if you start saying, oh, my God, I was wrong, like thinking of the destabilizing stuff, you know, that has a totally yeah. different effect. And like I, I love when people talk about like um, like when you're an undergrad, you're like, oh, my God, like all this shit. And by the time you're a Ph.D., you're like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. Like <laughs> It's like the more knowledge you. <laughs> that's so what these bad. people. That's what these people never think about. The, they never think that they could be right. wrong, and I think about that all the time, and it fucking terrifies me. But I also like seek it right. out. Like, what if right. I am wrong? What if my entire worldview is is yeah. wrong, and like I have a mental breakdown because I can't fucking handle like what the world is right. actually like without without my yeah. glasses on. My gla- my my ideology glasses that I might not even know that I have on. Yeah. Right. And I and uh, and that's actually <laughs> we. I gotta rewatch this. Um, what is it? We are we live. I think it's like this '80s movie. That yeah. So Zizek yeah. loves this movie. Classic. <laughs> it's yeah, a classic because he loves that. It's exactly what you just said. Actually, you don't take the glasses off in the movie. You put them on. And that's a very right. different thing, actually. Um, and, and that's also why they say ideology is that you don't know it, but you are doing it because it's so slipped. right. It's like they're not they're not glasses. They're like I don't know. I guess robotic eyes that were put into your skull yeah, by someone you else. Think you don't that, even know that. Oh, this is just like the way things are. And that's yeah. actually what's. These are my eyes. These are right. how they see. How and could it be otherwise? You do something like, like what for me was so important with the travel was just like, you know, when you're in the United States, all these things that all of these other countries have, we are told they're impossible. But then you go there and yeah. they have them. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second. And then you get to experience that. And that was always like, what you were saying of like seeking out being wrong. <laughs> like that was me yeah. like here. Put me into the most different culture from mine that I can imagine. 
Yeah. And you can kind of, you can get like a thrill out of it. You can look. like seek out where you might right. be wrong and like risk your well, sanity. But here's the thing, like, like that is the only true way I think to really be able, you have to get outside of your own culture to see what is ideology. Because if ideology yeah, is just yeah. like quote unquote nature to you, how do you even know that you're in it? Exactly. Like yeah. air. But what's interesting is like that's what like Simone de Beauvoir called mystification. So when you make somebody, uh -huh. so say I'm trying to like lord over you or whatever, when you try and tell somebody, well, that's just nature, that's just the way things are. So don't even try to fight them. Like that's so that's like her big one of her big theories in the second sex is that like because Satra would say he's just like weight goes way too far and saying like um kind of just saying well it's always your responsibility if you can't see that you're in bad faith it's kind of like way too much on you and she's like well wait a second if somebody's in here completely mystifying for you the situation like how you can't know you know so there's got to be some seed planted for you right. from the outside that helps you to realize that this is mystified you know you can do something about it and that's like a tool to oppress yeah. people, basically. It's just to make them think, well, this is just the way things are. I'm thinking about it as, as some kind of like horrific, like shadowy miasma <laughs> that is being exuded by these otherworldly entities and like fucking making people sleepwalk yeah. and say dumb shit, <laughs> walk around like the world isn't on fire and it like it's totally fine <laughs> that our military is all over the fucking world just murdering right. people and yet notice how there was basically no foreign policy talk in any democratic debate even though there was like a fucking million no. of them to make money for those channels or whatever um no talk yeah. and, except for when they wanted to shit on bernie and the funny yep. thing about using that is that you actually, like, of course there are, like, right-wing Latin Americans and everything, but if you, like, who were the Latinos fucking voting for, like, through the roof? Bernie. Because they don't fucking see that shit the way we do. Right. Unless you're a fucking, you know, <laughs> Cuban uh, <clears throat> refugee <laughs> living in Florida. Oh, no. Who lost all of, who lost your plantation to the communists? <laughs> but I mean, how and and it's funny because people people are always like, well, why are all these other people from other countries involved in our politics? It's like because we lord ourselves over every fucking country. Yeah. It's uh infuriating actually, but the interesting And that's mystification too, right? Of like just focusing on the spectacle of, you know, these people coming up over our southern border and not thinking about exactly. why that is. Like why, but also like a lot of Americans don't think about like how good we are at propagandizing America. So people, people have the wrong yeah. view of what it would mean to come here oftentimes. Yeah, because you don't see all of the horrible right. poverty that we have here. You don't see all of the backbreaking labor and fucking, yeah, you don't see the inside right. of Amazon so factories, that's for sure. It. I'll never forget it. It was like a while ago now 
but it was on like a public access channel in LA and they were doing a story about how these Iraqi refugees went to San Diego and they were so like they they were you know there was so much racism there there you know no social system they were explaining why they actually decided to go back to Iraq <laughs> and it's like that is a good oh. illustration of how like you know you think oh america it's it's all of these things and then you come here and you're like what the fuck i mean my friend from australia that came to la the first thing he said to me is i cannot believe how many homeless people are here and like what he was seeing yeah. on the streets and he was just blown away so i think that's a you know that's a factor as well but yeah i mean we our stomping grounds were in latin america fucking shit up militarily before you know, like that was our playing ground to then go to the Middle East in a lot of ways. It's funny thinking about uh, like speaking in terms of like economic mm -hmm. zones, like 99% of the country of 99% of the U.S. is a third no, world it's country. No, so true, actually. And, and that's what I mean. Like, when do you ever see that? on CNN or MSNBC or ABC or whatever. You don't, you're not ever going no, to see it's those all people. fucking, it's all buzzwords. It's all like, oh, we have, you know, we're like the world's oldest democracy or whatever, some shit like that. And we have such strong institutions and like values. But I think and what we're finding out is we don't have strong institutions. And that, what's so interesting for me about, you know, me too coming, and, well, yeah, it's all propaganda. And, and because what is Me Too essentially about when you really, really think about it? It's that when you have an abusive person in power, how everyone knows it's happening and nobody does anything. So what do we right. have now? We have two fucking rapists that everybody knew and they don't do anything. So it looks like we really, like we have not learned how to take out that person of power. You know, and to stop thinking that we need that person, you know, in power. Which then gets us to a more anarchist type thinking. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I, I've, I've read a lot of anarchist theory and stuff, and I tend to agree with it, like, most always, um, about how just the existence of these positions of power just make bad things happen because like one of the tenets of, of anarchist theory is, you know, very, very similar to like the, the production of oh, subjects yeah, because he and an discipline. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I didn't know A that. Well, yeah. So I forget like what exactly was that exact position? But because I yeah. remember asking my professor, I'm like, well, wait, this is like anarchist, right? And he's like, yeah, but, and then he said a certain kind. Because for yeah. example, Chomsky, and like Chomsky can't stand Foucault and Chomsky's a anarchist as well, but that's a whole other- What? That's yeah, wild. Uh, you should actually- I haven't read uh, any Chomsky go though. YouTube, like, you might not get through all of it because it's kind of like a weird, It's it's, but it's, you just have to see the bizarre setup because it's like, Chomsky and Foucault with this moderator and there's it's like in the 70s or something and there's all these like weird cuts going on and they're drinking like massive amounts <laughs> of orange juice throughout it. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> so, but yeah, you'll see a lot of stuff on Chomsky just being like blah 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 against Foucault, um, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean that's basically what he's getting at. Um, yeah, it's like your position in the world, your relationship to power, determines right? what kind of person you are. And if you're the kind of person who wields power, then you can get right. away with more shit. And it turns you into a bad and that's person. Actually, you know, if there's one thing I learned through some life experience with grifters, unfortunately, is like, that's why con man is short for confidence man. Because you can do the most brazen uh. shit with confidence. And, and we end up like gaslighting ourselves because like they're so confident in what they're doing, you know, back to the aesthetic thing as well. Um, and then they do, so have you ever actually, oh my God, if I got a documentary that'll blow your mind, um, it's called <laughs> the woman who wasn't there. Have you heard of this? It's, um, so it's this woman who lied about being in the twin towers when nine 11 happened. And the huh. way she did that. So she said her fiance died but she made it out and then she made this like support group for people like her and she led it. And she was like this big activist. But when you think about these lies, cause this is, this is getting more into sociopathy, but you know, Trump has both. Um, but right. Because when, when, when you tell these lies, think about what it would mean. Say you're her and I'm me. And I go, well, and you, you have these nuggets where the story doesn't, seem to make sense but how do you say it feels like that's not truthful to somebody who's saying that kind of story so that's why it's so important that part of these con men stories have to do with like a victimization right stealing yeah, valor like, that kind of thing how are you gonna say you know what these things don't connect for me about your story when the story is like i survived fucking 9-11 and my fiance died but eventually they did end up unraveling it. And what's, what's so interesting as well is people don't, so you have her and then the group and a lot of them saw these signs of like, something doesn't connect here, but they're scared to talk to each other about it too. You know? So it's like that, right. that kind of, um, I actually, I don't remember how it came. If you, Type it in, spiral of silence. This is actually some theory somebody like talked about or came up with or whatever. And it's like the less somebody speaks up, the less other people will speak up. And I've thought about that sort of what, 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 what does it mean when that happens in reverse? Somebody speaks up, so another person speaks up, so another person speaks up. And that how that can snowball, you know, because like a lot of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, just really interesting how when you can just brazenly lie and like you said, rely on aesthetics, how that just tricks our brain. Right. You know, it's making me, it's making me think of like, like some psychoanalysis shit, like Jung, yeah. like the archetypes, like these stories, these archetypal stories are like already out there, yeah. like diffused into the culture. And it's just up to like individuals to slot themselves yeah. into it, right? And if you can slot yourself into a story that is, uh, you know, like valorous, yeah. like a, you know, or, or you know, be a valorized victim, well, that I kind of thing. Her 
then you can get away with so much shit. And it's because these these stories exist and they're continuously propagated by like mostly the media, but also, you know, yeah. unmediated versions. And it comes back to power yeah. in that way. Like who's telling all these stories? Who's deciding what gets seen and how it gets seen? Yeah. And now I'm getting fucking no. depressed again because I <laughs> feel like a fucking powerless gnat. But I think that's what's so... Just like, just like swimming around in all of this right. meaning, right? All these stories, these narratives that exist. And I can't I do anything like about this it. This is one of the downfalls also of creating like heroes. Um, like singular heroes that are like when we or when we learn about history because I think like people are so fucking messy and we don't give ourselves that messiness and right there's no nuance I also think that's where we start you know quote-unquote canceling each other and everything um because we don't learn about people as messy people and so as soon as something comes in of conflict, it's like, oh, throw that away. Um, and so I feel like that yeah. actually, it's harder. Like, I wonder if that doesn't play into our lack of, like, solidarity right now. And it's like sort of that individual, I don't know, I'm just riffing here. But, like, if, if we start throwing, <laughs> yeah. throwing each other it, away. It's, it reminds me of that. How did do you, we get together? Did you read I said, if Sorry, we start what was throwing that? each other away like that, how do we get together against, you know, the real shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say? Definitely. Did you read... There's this book. It's called Conflict is Not Abuse. And I think it was Oh, that Sarah sounds Ahmed. amazing because, like, yeah, so true. Yeah. And she goes, she goes into, like, all the different levels of it. Like, there's the interpersonal level and there's, like, the societal level like the like the group community level and there's the international level and she uses the 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 uh the israel palestine you know situation over there because it's like what do you have to do to talk something out you have to get through your conflicts like it doesn't conflict doesn't mean you have to like be super shitty you're just trying to work through something right well the the book is about like, yes, conflict exists. Right. You can't avoid it. You cannot avoid conflict. But we we do this thing, like, at least, you know, in our yeah. in our world, in our country, we're, well, you know, canceling. We, we do that. It exist, well, and we let it fester. Yeah, we, we, pretend, we pretend that there's no conflict. But then when conflict does show up, yeah. because it always does, uh, the <laughs> one person gets to play the victim. Yeah. and be the good guy and the other person is cast as the abuser as the bad guy right. with no nuance that actually that's i love her i need to read more of her stuff i'm glad we're reading her in this uh in the queer class yeah um it's interesting i think that's a that's a huge problem that uh because i i've read a bit of the history of like the feminist movement and the women's movements uh, mm-hmm. of the seventies and eighties. And, you know, there was the big push for uh, like fighting, you know, criminalizing yeah. rape and criminalizing uh, like spousal abuse and that kind of thing. And it's become this like very toxic uh, like punishment 
oriented, like punishing yeah. men, you know, and punishing abusers. Instead uh, of focusing on, well, but now, how do abusers get made anyway? Right. And to that. Right. It's very reactionary. It's it's not focused on the the context or the circumstances. It's always just like, well, oh, bad person. Bad person needs punishment. For you. Absolutely. I feel like that actually what you just said to me is like maybe the like number one defining worst quality of America is that we're always reactionary. We have no idea how to think long term, like preventative, like building something that we want. Yeah, yeah. I think we're the worst people on earth. (laughs) (laughs) No question. Wild. <sighs> I don't know. I've I've given up on on knowing anything about North Korea, unless I like actually go there and look at it. Because like, I don't fucking trust any. I of, have a book for you. Actually. Like it's like. Um, fuck. Let me. I gotta yeah. remember the exact. Um. There's just so many like people who like our grifters who say that they escaped uh from North Korea and like told all these fantasy stories about it and like you know there is actual like fake no, news there's I'm tons of fake you, news like, because, about like, I, North I, Korea I, so i've just given up i'm fucking i, mean, I don't i don't even I care it. like I, I what am i going to do about without, it let me let me make sure without you there is no us Yeah, without you, there is no us. And what it is, is it's this um, woman who is of South Korean descent. I can't remember if she's living in the United States now. Um, but so she, she's a journalist, but she disguises herself as a teacher. And then she goes into... Um, North Korea and she ends up being a teacher for the like elite uh, kids or whatever Uh and so this is like I mean she risked her life to do this she's got cover story on top of cover story and honestly this book I picked up and I could not put it down because it's like it is so rare like you said it's, it's like this country is so fucking locked down it is so rare to be able to have it real insight into what's going on there. But that, that's what I mean. That is so extreme. Um, but like in, in, when I was in South Korea, like you'll talk to people and they had family that was split up, you know, at that time that everything was partitioned, for example, and they have literally no clue what happened to them still to this day. It's, uh, hmm. it's really wild. And I mean, who's, I mean, that just brings us back to us, though. Who did that? Who's, who is about that Korean War? Us. Yep. I just think, like, it's so frustrating. Like, I, want, I wonder what, you know how, like, right now we're socially distancing and so, like, animals are coming out more? Like, this is a horrible yeah. comparison, but, like, what if the United States just, like, disappeared trying to do this shit? Like, what would happen without us trying to stick our noses into things? Uh, fuck, I mean, 
I guess the the UK would would do its best to try to to try to fill those boots. Yeah, I but, guess I'm thinking more of like a, a yeah, they're on know, the downswing. Play of like, I mean, they're in their death throes right now. North I think. Korea and South Korea, ha- you know, have some sort of healing without us, or what what would happen? I don't know. Like, but well, I don't fucking know anything about North Korea, so I can't speculate on that. But I imagine I imagine that most of the world would be pretty happy if if the United States like fucking dissolved or balkanized or whatever ready, and didn't honestly, exist anymore. Yeah, fuck it. Death ready. death to America. Um I think like you know, Washington, Oregon, California, like we can do it. We'll just <laughs> we'll just become a country. <laughs> Colorado's like, hey, I want to join. <laughs> like, okay, okay, you can come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, I don't know. California, like, like just as its own country, would probably still be pretty bad. It's so tough to say. You know, it would be like our our culture in California is is pretty fascist, honestly. Like. Because we have a lot of like suburbanites, a lot of rich people, and, who dominate our you know state level and local politics, and I think I think that we would be, uh, <laughs> we would be we would be intersectional <laughs> fascists if California was its own country. That's, that's what liberals are. Um, I just wonder. I just feel yeah. like let's say we did become a country and we wouldn't be beholden to like a democrat republican framework anymore because like california is a much more diverse place of thought than people realize like like people think oh everyone there is is you know left wing et cetera, et cetera. it's not true like i wonder if it really wouldn't no california is california is just as gerrymandered well, as and... the fucking south it's just gerrymandered well, in favor the of the democrats is- but the dem- the demographics are basically the demographics are basically exactly I the mean, same as they are in have... Texas. It's just that the electoral maps are cut yeah, up differently. I guess I just mean maybe there would be more space to have like a liberal party, a right wing party, a left party. Because I mean, you have fucking Nazis all around San Diego. Like there are big pockets. Yeah, there's Nazis fucking here exactly, up in the exactly. fucking mountains in Boulder Creek. I just know this less, I guess, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point is, like, I, you know, it's like, like, who knows what would happen, but I guess I just, I think it is sort of happening now in the way that we don't have the the federal government to count on right now, and actually they're actively working against many of us, and so, you know, I guess I just, something's got to get, like, just any break in what's going on, for God's sake, like, yeah, something definitely needs to happen. There was there was that petition going around a few years ago, uh, right after Trump got elected for oh, California I, I to secede from the United States. But I'm like, what would that it even would really do, honestly? Think about, like, you know, well, first of all, Californians pay more into federal taxes than we get back. So there's that. So we would, yeah, I mean, that was one of the arguments that I heard, that if California seceded, we would be basically just screwing well, over the rest of the country 
to be dominated by Republicans for the rest of time, which honestly I think is going to happen anyway now because the Democratic Party is completely inept. It will never win the presidency ever again. Yeah, I honestly think that it's like, it's who knows where it's going to go, but there's a huge realignment going on right now. Like both parties are dead in their own ways. Um, but right. I, yeah. The, 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 the center of the, the center of the Republican party is dead and it's just, it's either will be taken over by white nationalists or will, you know, just, split and become two parties and the democratic the democratic party is nothing but the center so it's completely dead we don't have anything to replace it no they don't that's that's the problem like there's literally no there's nothing there except for uh we're not like that guy sort of just barely. We're, yeah. We're the le- the the Democratic Party identity is basically we're the lesser of the two evils, but like that's still evil. Yeah. And <laughs> I saw I saw this a couple people like talking about this on Twitter. They were like the Democrats would de- would definitely like if the election was between two Nazis, they would exactly. say vote for the lesser of two Nazis. But that's exactly And that's where it's done. going. That's where the, that's where the next presidential election is going to be it will be because trump is gonna fucking die oh, i bet like, <laughs> or like, like maybe he's go senile or be like, reagan or something fucking going somehow i don't i, see I either, just don't but... see it i mean either either he'll die or they'll do a coup or something but he he can't like I mean, he won't keep going definitely... um he'll he'll want to he'll want to he'll try i mean if he makes it that far but the, yeah, the next presidential election is going to be between a literal, like, you know, like Volkish, like blood and soil guy. Uh, fucking who's it? Tom Cotton or Peter who's that Miller? other guy? I don't know. No, he's in the Senate. He's the youngest guy in the Senate. I don't remember his fucking that. name. Holly, I think. Um, so, yeah, it'll be somebody like him. Blood and soil guy against. Uh, I think it'll be two parties. It'll be the 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 fucking American Nationalist Workers Party or something, and the fucking Conservative Party, and that'll be it. That'll be the that'll be our life for the yeah, rest I mean, of time. Yeah, I mean, the problem with liberalism is that it's what you say. It's basically like, well, we're all these things, but you can be gay. Like it's really yeah. <laughs> like it's like. We're, we're cat, uh, Zizek calls it like capitalism with a human face. And actually, one of my professors, like when we were talking about Obama, he was, and like we were, we were, it was basically critical human rights. And so he's saying, well, what? So, so we're, this is good because Obama just looks at the face and he, you know, when, when, when he kills somebody, it's, it's individualized. He's looked at their face. He knows who they are before he kills them. <laughs> like, Big one. <laughs> <laughs> He's really euthanizing them if you think about it, putting them out of their misery. I the mean, fucking scum. Arguing that they're benevolent, you know, it's like back to this benevolence argument. We know better. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm fucking starving, and Juana is being a little bit of a shit. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right yeah i feel like Good it's talk. like because there's part of a thing where it's like we know we're recording it so it's not a, we're gonna need to fall back it's like fall back into yeah we're a little we're a little yeah, more stilted than we usually like are in like our conversations like, <laughs> but yeah we'll even if we throw this away like we 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 can all you know or just edit it down to like 20 minutes or something or whatever at least we got like a a foot going on it yeah yeah i'm happy about that all right, cool. this is fun all right well shit it's the fucking weekend <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah! start drinking. all right <laughs>